Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football today, as we always do here on the Parastyle Podcast. We've got Dan Weber on the line, Keely Yor in studio, and I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, talking some USC Trojan football. If you have any questions or comments for us, please email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can also text or call. The number is 424 424- Two five four nine one four one. Got a bunch of questions we want to get to today. Lots to talk about. USC football, even though it's kind of a slow time, there's still always news and, and little tidbits going on around USC football. Uh, it was a, a rather sad day um, yesterday. We talked about it on the podcast. Uh, we lost a colleague and friend uh, in Gary Paskowitz at uh, 52 years old. And I, I, I got to say my piece yesterday with, with Harvey Hyde and Pete Arbogast, but I know uh, Dan Weber and Keely, you, are, you haven't said anything. So before we jump into the show, uh, maybe Dan, we'll start with you, and then we'll go with Keely. Yeah, I was I was talking to somebody who knew, you know, that Gary hadn't been feeling good. It didn't look like at the end of the season, and uh, but I know somebody who was fairly close to him who felt like uh, after talking to him maybe a week ago that he was feeling better, and that you know there was hope because I know. Uh, we were scheduled to uh, to speak at a at a Trojan football fanatics in uh, in Vista in, in the end of February, and Ryan has has agreed to step in and and take Gary's place. But uh, we'd been doing that for like six or seven years, and uh, twice a year, and Gary would come in and talk about all the recruiting stuff and the prospects, and he's so upbeat. And then <laughs> they would let me talk about the other stuff with USC football, the good and the bad. And it was kind of like we had this little, you know, two-man act going uh, with us. And uh, it's just so hard to believe, you know, that Gary, who was next to us in every football game in the press box and, uh, you know, right down at his assigned spot, you know, sitting on his little collapsible uh, stool at practice every day, that, that he won't be there. He, he did so much. I think both Gary and Ryan just did so much for, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, covering, uh, you know, college football teams that, that you guys were a couple of the real pioneers, you know, nationally as to, you know, how to do this. And, uh, and USC football has benefited, you know, an awful lot from what you guys were able to do. But, but I think, well, really, he's just such a positive, pleasant, decent, just really warm, a uh, human being who who cared so much about USC and USC football and uh, just can't say how much you'll be missed. Yeah, it's still kind of in the surreal stage for me right now. I don't think it will really be real until we get to spring practice. And, you know, it's everyone talks about his chair, but Gary was kind of like a pillar in that corner of our, our little media pen. That was where he set up and saw everything. So it's just really surreal. But like even before I became a part of this site, trying to get to know USC and USC football since that wasn't my thing growing up. Um, Gary and, and Ryan were kind of the two pillars of, of the authority of USC football and, and what you should know. And so the fact that like 
an institution in my mind of USC media is just gone. It's like, it's really surreal. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard to believe. And we've, you know, we've known each other a long time. And, uh, like I said before, we were, it's kind of like we, we were competitors, but we were partners trying to get, you know, the internet accepted as a, as a media source. And now it's the dominant, you know, media <laughs> practices. So it's, uh, it's really sad. And, uh, you know, just sad to see Gary, uh, go like that, but we'll, uh, Everyone's going to keep fighting on for him and we'll, uh, you know, keep him in our thoughts and prayers and his family and everything. And we don't know anything about um, people want to know about services or any kind of memorial stuff. So we'll let you know uh, when we when we get into that. Um, well, Gary loved talking about USC football, and that's what we're here to uh, talk about. Nothing. We haven't heard anything like official uh, from USC, but there's, you know, there's some. Storylines floating around with uh, Ivan Lewis reportedly, you know, nothing been named official, but going to the uh, Seattle Seahawks and uh, be reunited with Pete Carroll, still searching for an offensive coordinator. So still an open, open office in uh, the John McKay Center. So still a bunch uh, going on, Dan. Yeah, I'm, I was walking uh, as, as I do every day in, in the morning, walking the dogs uh, in the park and a uh, guy walks up to me and says, still don't have an offensive coordinator, do they? <laughs> No, I don't. He was it's interesting. He had an interesting thought. He said, "Have they ever thought about Jim Jones? He was one of the you know originators of some of this stuff." And I thought, "Huh, that's interesting." I know you guys had kind of run into him in uh, in Hawaii, I believe. Uh, well, hey, Dan, hold on for one second because we have a question on that, so I might as well play it right now <laughs> since you brought it up. So here we'll, we'll go with the we'll change okay. the change the narrative. Here you go. One second. Yeah, this is Ray in Pasadena. I'm listening to you guys on the podcast again and, you know, running through all these names and trying to figure out what the SC staff is supposed to do and what Lynn Swan is supposed to do. And I know Coach Hyde talked about uh, uh, the old man Chow. How about uh, reaching back a little bit more and going with June Jones? Anybody ever decided to contact him and see whether or not he's available? He was one of the architects over there in Hawaii who had all those uh, offensive uh, quarterbacks and wide receivers and so forth. Why don't somebody go after him? He, uh, I'm sure he'd come out of retirement and, and fool around for a couple of years and try to get this squared away. Let, let's let's take a look at somebody like that. Uh, why does it have to be one of these younger coaches? Let's go after a guy like him or go after Chow. Doesn't have to be uh, all these uh, other idiots that you guys have been mentioning. Anyway, uh, it's me in Pasadena. I tried to keep it clean this time. Uh, I'm listening to you guys. It's frustrating sometimes because you keep hashing the same crap over and over again. And uh, there's a lot to be said for some of these guys that claim they're four-star, five-star, three-star. You get them out on the football field, and all of a sudden, after having 10 years of football, they really don't want to put in the time, and they find other activities to do over at SC. Anyway, uh, June Jones, let's go look into him. All right. That's uh, that's Ray and Pasadena, Dan. And uh, just so yeah. people know, June Jones is the co-offensive uh, coordinator for the Hamilton Tiger Cats right. of the Canadian Football League. And he was the offensive coordinator for, I think it was Team Malka and, at the Poly Bowl. And his team's offense, I think, only scored seven points. They didn't do very well. So I don't know. That was Ju- <laughs> Juju's team. But just, just a little – we ran and, – and June Jones actually – charged his phone using my wife's Jana's charger. So he came over and he needed a charge. So we, we talked to him a little bit, but just, just to give you a little background before you jump into it. 
yeah, I like the idea of a guy who who doesn't have to ask somebody, what do you think we ought to do here? What do you think we ought to do there? And, you know, a guy that kind of, and that was the, you know, obvious advantage of Cliff Kingsbury. He didn't need to, you know, get an input from here or there or wherever. He just was going to be able to come in and I'm in charge. I'm going to run it and what have you. And I do think that's the attraction, you know, for, and it's been hard to keep up with, you know, since June left from, um, from Hawaii with those, you know, really good teams and, uh, one of the quarterbacks I'm trying to think, uh, from Orange County and, and, you know, had the leading, you know, quarterbacks in the country back to back. I think Timmy Chang and, uh, Koshwai Colt, something or other. Uh, Colt Brennan. and then, yeah, yeah, okay. And then, uh, he went to Southern Methodist and didn't exactly have enough talent to compete there. And I think he's coaching, you know, some high school and, and went to the, you know, Canadian League and, all of that. I don't know where he is in terms of like with Norm Chow also maybe past maybe that point where you, you could come back and do, I just don't know for sure. Uh, but yeah, I like the idea of somebody like that. Heck, I'd even take a, you know, an interview with Hal Mummy, who was actually uh, at Kentucky when I was, was still living back in Kentucky. And who, he was really the originator of the air raid. I mean, he, he was, Mike Leese was his offensive coordinator. At, at Kentucky. And, uh, so Mike Leach learned it, you know, from Hal Mummy. And I, I not absolutely at Hal went to, you know, after Kentucky, he went to New Mexico State and he's all, he's got, you know, a really kind of an interesting history, uh, with NCAA stuff and all of that. But he was an original one of a kind. I would just like someone who could come in and say, I'll take over the offense. What I what I'm coaching matches up with the talent that we're going to have at USC. Just get out of the way and let me do my thing, and we'll be fine. They really need it at USC right now. Yeah, that's an interesting name, June Jones. Ray doesn't like the the young whippersnappers. He wants some <laughs> some old veteran uh, guys. But I think when it goes on, Keely, like when it goes on this long. You're just going to like, there's just going to be more and more names coming up. And, uh, you know, we, I, we just did an update on the hot board 2.0. I called everyone I could call the whole team. And it's like, it wasn't crickets, but it was pretty close to crickets. There's just not a lot. It seems going on with this right now, or at least there, there nothing's getting out of there. Yeah. We're kind of in a weird gray area right now. Um, but it's also that time of year, you know, January is kind of the, the calm before the storm in February with recruiting and whatnot, but it's to have, it quiet on the the coaching stand front too is just a little a little odd, especially after the drama that exploded with Cliff, and now it's kind of you're just waiting around and seeing. So I yeah, don't know. I mean what what you what it kind of leaves you with the thought that a it's going to be a guy who's still coaching in the NFL, yeah, and nobody wants to disturb that, which is Jed Fish uh, uh, with the Rams, or it's B which is it's someone on the USC staff who will be moved into that position and maybe another hire will be made for his position or another hire period. It would seem to be leaning to one of those two scenarios, neither of which is exactly uh, probably what a lot of people wanted after the Cliff uh, Kingsbury, uh, you know, era. Uh, And uh, so you would think that that's more likely that either it's somebody who, you know, 
can't be named yet because he's still coaching. And that, you know, very much narrows it down. Or it's going to be somebody on the staff and they probably don't want to tell anybody that <laughs> right now. Yeah, I think the, I mean, I, I feel like the gut feeling I get, get is that there were all the eggs were in the Cliff Kingsbury basket. And then there wasn't really a lot of uh, backup plans and stuff going on if that didn't work out. So it was sort of like a reset, like, okay, we got to go back and figure things out. And I don't feel like they were going to be in a rush. Um, you'd like to get it done, you know, as quickly as possible because you want to prepare, not just for signing day, but preparing for spring football. But I, I do feel, Dan, some of it might have been just been getting caught off guard a little bit and then sort of uh, a little bit slower reaction than maybe some of the fans would want. And I guess the other thought is they have to be so absolutely certain that the guy they go after that where it becomes in any way public, they can't miss. It's just, a, you know, it, I don't know what you could, you know, hold his, uh, you know, nearest relatives hostage or something like that. If, uh, you know, sign a, uh, you know, a, how much of a buyout you could put in a, whatever. It's just, you know, they're at a place where they know we cannot flub this. We cannot miss on this guy. We cannot, you know, sign him and that he leaves for something else. They're in a, they're in a difficult place. I think at this point, this has to be, a hundred percent absolutely dead certain uh and and maybe they're a little gun shy uh, at that point i would be do we uh have any other offensive coordinator questions keely we probably should just kind of stay on topic with that till we switch to something else um we do in the sense of we got a question from don and and, and when we talked about the offensive coordinator and and previous podcasts and, and tunnel visions we said that getting a guy who it's his offense he runs it and so we've talked about clay helton being in a ceo role and how that might help the team going forward but don says why make helton the ceo with good coordinators helton has too many responsibilities question mark if usc does not want to pay the buyout keep him and make him a very very high paid recruiting coordinator doesn't make sense to destroy the program by keeping helton as head coach well <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's an opinion held by a lot of people. But, uh, you know, after the the sense that, that my, maybe it was going to happen and then Lynn Swan, you know, said, no, we're not doing it. We want stability. Uh, I think, you know, people have gone past that now. Yeah, that's an argument you can certainly make. Uh, but then that would also maybe require more of a reworking of the coaching staff as well. I mean, if you're bringing somebody new in, I don't know how many people, I mean, I think you could have Cliff Kingsbury might've been able to be shifted over to the head coaching role and not have had to say, I need to hire a whole new staff. Uh, Cause I don't think you yeah, about, about to do that, but I don't know that you would go to a place unless you really, you know, have gotten all kinds of financial backing from you know, from outside the university who, you know, would say, hey, we're going to underwrite everything you do. You know, we're under, we'll underwrite the buyouts for the old coaches and the, the new coaches, and we'll get them all in here. And, what, and I, I don't see that happening at USC right now. I, I just don't, I don't see anybody that could put that together. So, uh, so I just, I don't know that that thought 
is a, a viable one at this point in time. Yeah. We have a lot of OC questions. So if oh, you just want to get into questions, we can do that. Um, well, maybe, maybe we'll like, uh, I think the other thing we want to talk about is the strength and conditioning yes. coach. So nothing official on, um, you know, we've heard from sources that he's, that, that Ivan Lewis is no longer there. If you know the longtime strength and conditioning coach for Pete Carroll, Chris Carlisle has moved on. He's no longer there. So they were together like 18 years. I mean, it was like a long time, like pretty wow. much his whole time at USC and then uh, with Seattle. Um, so that was a long time coming. Uh, Dan, I know in, you know, you mentioned a name, uh, John Brown in the war room. We had a, a voicemail question on that. So maybe I'll play it and then we'll talk about um, USC strength and conditioning coaching going forward. So I'll play this for you. And here we go. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Dan Weber, great idea. They not should not only bring in Amon Ra's father, John Brown, uh, to be the strength and conditioning uh, consultant. He should be the the coach. I don't care if he that hasn't done it at the college level. All his sons are very muscular, and they don't get injured that much. They're very tough. He has a very strict weight training regiment for his sons with uh, and nutrition uh, regiment. And he's a two-time Mr. Universe. He knows how to put muscle and uh, keep your speed. We need to bring him in. Good, good thinking, Dan. I'm in a hundred percent on that. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Yeah, Curtis. I, I mean, I think. Uh, John Brown, I know there were some maybe people who ejected say, well, bodybuilding is completely different from, you know, a building strength for football. But if you look at, you know, and we, we've gotten to see the, you know, the two older sons, but we see up close Amon Ra, and he's about as perfectly uh, built for college football as any kid we've ever seen coming out of high school. And uh, he's also has an attitude. I mean, you know, we, you never hear, uh, in the summer before these kids have even started that, you know, this kid's the leader. Uh, we were hearing that already. He hadn't, you know, hadn't been in a game yet. And you're hearing this incoming freshman is the guy everybody respects. So, so that's a real plus. I just thought USC has a lot of resources if they take advantage of them. For example, like a John Brown, he could be a consultant in both the weight training, uh, you know, the strength part of it and the nutrition part of it. I mean, I, I would like to see them bring some people in and take a look at every part of, uh, you know, strength and conditioning and nutrition. And, and, and there are a lot of those people. I mean, we talked about uh, people posted the video of Aaron Osmus, who was the, uh, had been a, you know, the strength and conditioning guy at USC and from Tennessee NCA weightlifting champ uh, and uh, represents the, you know, I guess the state of the art uh, weightlifting uh, and training equipment uh, on the West Coast. I just think there are a lot of people like that. And, and, and as much as people, you know, object to, you know, Jordan, uh, you know, Cam or Cameron, uh, he, he's done some really good things. He trains a lot of NFL guys. I just think there are people around, available to USC right now and uh, that I would like to see them kind of uh, go outside and talk to a lot of people and get a lot of people involved. And Chris Carlisle, I, I don't know, 
you know, where, where he's going or how that, you know, he and Pete Carroll seem to be, you know, work so well together and what happened there at the Seahawks, I really don't know. Uh, but he was kind of the, the guy that I've been, you know, learned everything from, uh, and wouldn't mind to see, you know, you get a, a number of people like that, you know, involved in terms of where, where does USC go? Uh, where is it falling short? What's, what's going on here? And, uh, and kind of expand the horizons of strength and conditioning and, uh, and nutrition. There's a lot of ways USC could go. Yeah, I think there's some smart people around you could consult with. I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend hiring. I think it's a difference between, you know, being Mr. Universe and coaching your sons to, you know, having hundreds of athletes. <laughs> I think there's a pretty big difference. But certainly I think you get them involved somehow. And, and, you know, even with, hey, when when you want to bring someone in, everybody does different things, but they have different philosophies. And I think you could talk to a John Brown and be like, okay, we interviewed three guys. Here's their different philosophies. And John Brown could say, well, I like what this guy's saying. Uh, here's some questions about what this guy's, you know, like he feels you need to do this. And I'm like, well, here's some reasons research why that that wouldn't be the case. Everyone's going to have a different philosophy. You have to buy in with, you know, with what they're doing. And, uh, you know, they're going to, they're, everyone's doing lifting, everyone's doing nutrition, all that stuff, but there's different ways and there's different research out there. And I think having people like John Brown around would be another voice to listen to because he's certainly an expert on stuff. And you go, you know what? That makes sense. I could ask this question during the interview. So I think you could get him involved. But Curtis, I would not recommend uh, hiring a guy that's never done that before. I, I'd, I'd much rather USC's done a lot of that. I'd rather go out and get someone who's worked in colleges and, and had a whole football team under them before. Yeah, I, I do think that's the the difference is is doing it on a on a mass scale, and you know your kids might totally. You know, Amon Ra, I would think he would be really really coachable. I'm not sure everybody on you know 105 guys on the roster may all be that that coachable and so there's a whole other you know aspect involved but I, but i do think you know just you know which are the uh you know which are the you know the, the uh exercises which are the uh you know what's the equipment you know how much are we talking about what 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 do you need to do for football that maybe you don't need, you know need to do for for other sports and and how does that tie into uh the nutrition part of it you know in terms of and the kinds of protein and all of that kind of stuff and how individualized you have to do, uh, you know, everything, you know, by position groups and all of that. I just think there's a whole lot of things you can talk through. And I think the more people you have talking about it in terms of, you know, helping you make your judgments, I just think that's where their leadership at USC has to take over and say, how do we get this done? Who do we get it done with? You know, what, what do we do to make it happen? And, and that's what we need to see more of, I think, you know, what, what's going to make this work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the key point from both of what you guys just said, especially Dan essentially just said it, but the key point of this off season is to get voices that aren't the echo chamber that USC has had, because we see that that hasn't worked. That's not working in a five and seven season. The more you have outside voices telling you, this is what you can do. This is what other successful programs are doing. And this is how you can do it. I think that will be a true key to a successful off season and, and trying to go forward successfully is other opinions, other things besides the echo chamber that has been USC. Well, that's, you bring up a really good point because with, say, a John Brown, he's had two sons precede uh, Amon Ra. One went to Notre Dame, one went to Stanford. He's gone through all of what they've gone through 
at Notre Dame and Stanford, for example, both places where they're doing a heck of a job on all of those phases, you know, on the, on the strength and conditioning and nutrition. And in his John observing how that works with his older two sons. So just that alone uh, allows you to draw on uh, some of the good things that, you know, two of USC's arch rivals are doing, you know, really well. We, uh, before we jump into some other topics and more questions, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's, uh, another year with Trader Joe's. It's great. Uh, really happy to uh, be there with them, and they've been great with us. Uh, we just got back from Hawaii, and my wife was like, yep, I got to go to Trader Joe's. So bought a bunch of stuff. We just had a nice uh, Chinese chicken salad lunch. She bought all the ingredients, the vegetables and everything, and uh, kale. You know, I, I eat kale. Uh, it was. It's not bad, though. I mean, <laughs> it's better when you, like, fried stuff. But, uh, yeah, and, like, uh, put some chicken in the oven with the the you know marinated and the, the the Trader Joe's dressing and stuff. So it was good. We uh, put that all together, but definitely go recommend go checking it out. The great the one at USC is awesome. We have a new one at Hermosa Beach that's great. And uh, I went to the one in uh, Eastern Market in DC. I feel like oh. I'm making like a, a stop at all the D- the Trader Joe's. Nice. Yeah, Keely just got back from Washington DC. I and, did indeed. And you went to Trader Joe's. That's I good. did. We stopped at a. It was right by our Airbnb, so it was very convenient. <laughs> Yeah, and and uh, I, for some reason, I, I, I was on uh, Twitter, I, I guess it was a week and a half ago or something like that, and here's this list of uh, uh, the top 40 uh, grocery chains in America. And there you go. At number one is Trader Joe's. So I grabbed the list and sent it over to our buddy, uh, you know, John Basilone, the president of Trader Joe's. I don't think he, he'd gotten it yet. So he was all excited uh, uh, to... Uh, to see that, I guess it's the second year in a row. Trader Joe's is the uh, the number one ranked uh, uh, grocery chain in America. So oh, pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Congrats to them. Um, yeah, nice. And then, so one topic I don't think we have a question on. Okay. This is a huge. Okay, this is a. This has been a huge problem around USC athletics for a long time. Okay, I'm really glad that finally someone in the in the athletic department stepped up and fixed this horrible, horrible problem. Dan, why the heck were song girls <laughs> cheering at USC basketball games? This was a big problem. Yeah. Lin Swan stepped in and fixed it. I think things are going in the right direction now. Yeah, I mean, I, and I understand that <laughs> there are fun. issues okay. in terms of, yeah, that's uh, Please, I wasn't serious because if people were like, no, how did you say that? That was not serious the at all. The angry tweets already <laughs> flooding in. So hopefully sarcasm noted. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the idea that, that you couldn't figure out a way, okay, they've got more stuff going on, uh, you know, with marketing and, uh, you know, uh, contests and, uh, you know, and I, I like DJ Malski, by the way. I think he does a really good job. So, you know, and he's uh, very much a part of the, the game experience and, and what have you. And then you have Dance Force. And there, there was no question it was kind of a political deal between, uh, you know, I mean, they were fighting over floor space. Uh, and I'm sorry, you know, there had to be a way that you could, you know, even if you did with, um, you know, the song girls, a big, you know, uh, pregame one thing, you know, on the, on the floor and then something at halftime or whatever. And, you, you know, you went back and forth and, and all of that, but it, it, it looks like, you know, you got this, you know, off the court battle for space on the court and for time in basketball games. And I'm just not sure that if you're running USC athletics and you decide to toss out the 50 year tradition of the song, I mean, you're talking about, for example, 
there were a lot of song girl uh, alumni, and they weren't very happy. And they're still involved with USC and USC athletics. And I'm just thinking I would stay as far away from that as I could possibly do. And especially if you've got a lot of other things you probably need to be working on more important than, than the song girls uh, and the dance force. So yeah, he gets to be able to work out a compromise that, that works for both of those groups. And, and, and the idea that, Somebody that wants to be there and has this tradition and the iconic place. I mean, let's face it, in a world of college sports, and, and we would use the word cheerleaders or dance team or whatever, there's only one song girls. I mean, they're kind of in their own place, you know, between a, you know, cheerleaders and a dance team. And you, if they want to do your basketball games, you let them do your basketball <laughs> game. You just have to figure out how to get that done. And that USC couldn't, on that level, get that done doesn't give you uh, a lot of hope for, for some of the other areas that are, ought to be a whole lot more difficult to, you know, to pull off. But, yeah, that there was, there was t- what, what there, what's going on with the song girls is just such a, 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 an unnecessary. It's another one of those uh, self-inflicted wounds. Uh, that USC just keeps, uh, you know, doing to itself. You just can't keep doing stuff that, you know, you didn't need to be doing. I mean, anybody who wants to come to USC basketball and cheer ought to be welcome and just say, come on, thank you. We'll figure it out. They didn't. And I don't know if it's, uh, I think it was Joey Kaufman that tweeted, it was like a record low attendance for, USC UCLA basketball for a crosstown rivalry game. It was like 5,000 people or something there. Um, and, and, you know, you read that article in the LA times that, you know, 50, 50 more seats would have been sold to song girl alumni and they, they turned them down because they thought they were going to try to get involved somehow. It's just, it just seems like you're doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons and focusing in the wrong direction. Yeah. And they told them not to wear their song girl, uh, you know, sweaters or whatever, you know, their song girl, uh, you know, things that identify them as song girl. I'm like, come on, stop it. Just don't do it. You can't. I mean, somebody's afraid of something at USC that we, we don't, it's almost impossible to figure out what are you afraid of? Come yeah. on. Welcome everybody. Especially Please. to basketball games. Like yeah. you don't want to limit anything at basketball games because yeah. it's, I don't even like talking about that. Every time I mention it, you lose followers, but still, you know, on Twitter, but there's no reason you should be limiting what's going on in basketball games. And there's no reason that you should be keeping the song girls from stopping a tradition of a really long time. Like, I don't, I mean, you got to think really hard and you get the feeling like, you know, we know people in the athletic department listen to this. Like, well, if you knew this, I'm like, I don't care what you say. Like, like Dan said, you can figure out a there's a better solution to whatever problem that you foresee having because they need to sell more ad space and they're the floor whatever it is there's a better solution than removing a 50 year tradition of song girls cheering at basketball games. I will guarantee you that. I think you should know that there's a better solution than what what you've come up with and not realize it because you live in a bubble. You don't realize the the, the pushback you're going to get. You don't realize. That every everyone's going to come down on you hard, and you don't realize that the 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 perception of what the athletic department is right now is not good. It's not good, and this just makes it worse. So yes, you talk to people like, 
Well, if you knew that, like, no, that, there's nothing that we could know unless, like, Song Girls murdered somebody or something. Like, nothing would you you should stop this tradition. Like, this this is one of the dumbest things I've 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 gone on rants before. This is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of. Like, what? Maybe the dumbest thing Lynn Swan's ever done, and that's crazy. Well, and and we would we would hear it tied into oh, the Song Girls said something negative about uh, you know the coaching on the sidelines at the. Um, <laughs> At what homecoming game or whatever? I don't know. Keely was uh, was one of the the people that heard that or whatever. I don't know where that all came from. It was and, me. I heard they were just like very into the football game. I think Shotgun was the one who tweeted that they were like, uh, yeah. fi- they were cheering Fire Helton chant. Well, there was a Fire Helton chant, and they, they joined kinda, in or yeah, something. Or an official thing. I think I think t- penalizing them for something like that I don't, is out of line. Well, I mean, I was. When you guys said it, I was thinking, wow, that gets me more uh, enthused about the song girls, that they care that much about football. That's <laughs> great. I thought that was a real positive about the song girls. That impressed the heck out of me that, you know, that they're really, you know, fans and they're really into it. So I would have taken that as a, hey, man, way to go, song girls. I mean, I, you know, you, you can't let that influence you one way or the other about the coaches. But just the fact that they were into it that much, that's cool. I thought that was a really good thing. Yeah. Ugh. So, I don't know. I wasn't like, I mentioned it, and it's like, I don't get that fired up. But then you think about it, like, this is just so dumb. Just stop doing yeah. dumb things. Well, when you, Don't do dumb things. When the fan base is already very frustrated, why are you kicking them when they're down? It just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's like, what, what, what could we do to really upset the fans at a basketball game? Let's take away the song girls. Like, that would be, you know, like... Uh, you know, you could double the price of beer. You could take away the song. Like, I don't know what, like, if you're trying to upset fans and, you know, and what do you get? You get a, I mean, the basketball team's not doing that great, but they beat UCLA, which is always great. And it's the lowest attended, you know, crosstown rivalry game and whatever Joey said, I forget what it was, what exactly, but it was, you know, for a long time. Like, there's too many of those things. Like, this is the worst thing since a very long time. Like, there's just, we've been saying too many of those stats lately. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just you, you just can't go out of your way um, to not be positive, and you know, bring even if you have a you know a little conversation with the song girls and say, okay, just think it, don't say it or whatever, <laughs> but and thank you for caring that much about football, and we're really pleased. And oh, all the uh, alumni want to come. Hey, we'll give you a special you know seat. We'll give you a special you know. Uh, a chance to, you know, and introduce them and and say thanks for being here and all. You yeah, just, they they turned it into a negative and could have been a real positive. I mean, who's where does that judgment sort of a thing coming from that is kind of kind of afraid of, of you know their own shadows? Uh, I mean, who and it was somebody lower down I think that was telling the song girls not to wear. You know, maybe we can't sell you a bunch of tickets, especially if you're going to show up in your you know, your song girl, alumni attire or whatever. No. And, and is that person thinking they're trying to protect somebody above them? And, and why is this all this defensiveness? I mean, you know, I mean, it just makes things worse. I mean, this isn't a good time for USC athletic, but you can't go into a cell and, and, and you know, just you know, some fetal position and just hope nobody, you know, notices you. No. you yeah. got to keep, as they say, Right on instead of 
whatever the heck it is they're doing now. <laughs> so in a slightly related question, uh, Tyler and Sammamish, uh, he says, were my UW and Washington State buddies are thrilled we kept Helton. He says, Ryan, I'm guessing you'll say no way to this, but isn't there someone isn't there someone or anybody in the brass category of USC athletics you could talk to off the record to convey the despair of the fan base? I mean, the peristyle is as har- hardcore fan basey as it gets, and the depression and frustration here is palpable, palpable. Not a scientific sampling, I realize. If I was in USC leadership in any capacity, I'd actually seek guys out like you, to get some fan data points. Do they really think things are anywhere near even okay? It's a great... Uh, who was that? For, Tyler and Sammamish. Tyler, yeah. So, the, okay, so to understand the Peristyle, if you're not... A lot of people are just podcast listeners. The Peristyle is like the crazy USC fans. Not crazy in a bad way, but the, the most rabid. They care... Most of them care about, like, recruits. They care about everything. They, every little tidbit that's going on. So that's a different world. Like there's a lot of USC fans that just like going to games. They get tickets, whatever they want to do. This is the hardcore of the fans, but it's true. And we, we talk to people that are in the athletic department that, that read it and they understand it and they know that people are right. Um, and so, but that doesn't mean that the powers that be the bosses at the top feel the same way. So it's, it's there. I mean, it's definitely. The, the feelings that we, you know, have been expressed to the people, it's not like the athletic department doesn't know, but I think the people, there's a lot of people on the, maybe the lower levels or middle levels, or whatever that, that know and understand it's really just trying to convince the people at the very top, uh, that this stuff matters, that the, what the fans feel, uh, which is usually pretty on point, uh, matter. Yeah. I think, uh, <clears throat> peristyle people are the, uh, you know, canaries in the coal mine. And uh, you, you got to pay attention to them. Uh, and uh, I think they're going to get there uh, first and they're going to get there maybe, uh, you know, on, on tangents or, or maybe, you know, they'll get, get some things wrong. But based, you know, you, you just you pay attention to it. I mean, and you're right. That's a, like a built in uh, marketing survey that you might have to pay, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get. You know, you can uh, you can kind of over time, I think really pick up on, on, uh, you know, where, where USC athletics, you know, is, is headed uh, or, you know, where, what their perception is. I mean, I'm just reading, for example, talk about perception. <clears throat> I just uh, read John Wilner's uh, way too early take on the PAC 12 football next year. And I think he has USC fourth in the South, third or fourth, whatever. He has them wow. behind UCLA. I know that Utah and UCLA, and Arizona State, he's got them fourth, fourth in the Pac-12 South. Think about that. I mean, just think about, you know, whether he's right or wrong. He's the, you know, he's the guy that basically there's only one guy that's sort of chronicling the whole Pac-12, and it's John Wilner. And, you know, he says, oh, of course they can win the South, but who knows, you know, the way things are going there and all that, you know, that's not some nutcase on the on the P who you <laughs> identify as say, oh, this guy's so out of it, I never pay attention. This is the guy who <clears throat> if people nationally are looking for, well, who's the one guy that covers all the Pac-12? It's, that's the guy. And um, what he thinks of USC <clears throat> is something that USC ought to be very, very scared about. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Wilner does a great job and stuff, but that's... Uh... It's disturbing. You know, you could easily see him win in the South, but you could see him finishing uh, 
<laughs> third or fourth, but yeah, that's, I don't know. I mean, I like the way you put that Dan, where it's a, you know, canary in the coal mine. The problem is that every time the canary dies, doesn't mean there's a gas leak. So we, we got a lot of, yeah. we got a lot of dead canaries, I guess you could say in the peristyle, <laughs> but I mean, they're usually able to see like, Hey, this is going to be a problem, you know? And you know, a lot of times it's like that. Like when, um, you know, what did USC do last year when the, you know, they needed to hire a quarterback's coach, uh, you, you know, promote Brian Ellis and, and, you know, a lot of people on the parastel right away is like, well, you're going to have a rookie quarterback and you're gonna have a rookie quarterback coach. Hey, that could be a problem. You know, JT Daniels didn't have the greatest year in the world. People are, you know, really critical about him, but a lot of people on the parastel looking back, like, remember we told you like six months ago, like, why did you do this instead of getting, uh, inexperienced, you know? And it's not like, it's definitely, oh, that's definitely going to be a problem. Cause you know, it's hard to tell like what coaches would be good or not, but that's a potential issue. The quarterback position was under, you know, performing a little bit. And you're like, Hey, you know, we talked about this six months ago. So that's, that's one of those canaries that died. You're like, yeah, that was, that was probably a, due to a gas leak. Well, and, and the other part of that was that the uh, offensive coordinator was not going to be in the quarterback room. So you had an offensive yeah. coordinator who was in the wide receiver room. So, and talking during the year about wishing he had more time with JT Daniels. I mean, I'm sorry, just, that doesn't work. You gotta, you gotta do better than that. You gotta figure it out. Uh, and they didn't. Yeah. And, but guys on the peristyle know, usually know something like that. And, you know, the average fan in the the Coliseum probably doesn't like, oh, you know, I don't, I I couldn't tell you if T Martin's on the, in the, on the sideline or in the press box or what he's doing. Like they just, they don't know it. So I, I think it's a really good point, Tyler, that, uh, and there's a lot of informed fans there and there's, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, people that are all over the place, but it's not like the athletic department doesn't know, but I think, you know, does it get into Lynn Swan's brain? I don't think so. I think people around Lynn Swan definitely know that and they see those concerns, but I don't think, I don't think it's getting to the very top. Or coming, you know, I, <laughs> I just think it, we've always thought that USC in general, uh, leadership was kind of in a bubble. Uh, and it's an easy place to become, uh, to get into a bubble because, you know, so much is happening positive for USC, you know, in terms of the student body and the, you know, the the finances, you look at the campus, you look at the location, you look at everything that's, you know, it's, it's a happening place and and they don't have to, you know, do a lot of things right. And and they're going to keep moving up. They got to avoid doing the big things bad, you know, the, the big things wrong. And they haven't been doing that. And that's the, that's kind of the problem. But if you don't hear, you know, about what could go wrong because you're in this bubble, um, then you don't avoid, uh, a lot of the things. And we're talking not just athletics. There are a whole lot of areas where if it doesn't get to the right people, uh, for whatever reason, uh, it's hard to avoid, you know, those, uh, you know, the kind of things that USC's, uh, you know, having to deal with right now as they look for a new president. And, uh, uh, I would, you would wish USC would, would get out of the bubble, listen to people, talk to people, pay attention to people, care about what people are thinking and all of that, you know, don't dismiss them automatically. You know, the, the, the quote that those are just a hundred dollar donors, um, you know, said something that, you know, we don't, we don't need to listen to those people. Uh, yes, you do. You need to listen to everybody and you've got a lot of ways to do that if you will. But 
they're kind of bunkered in right now, Ryan. Don't you think we haven't we haven't kind of heard or seen from almost anybody, and um, they don't seem to be all that interested in coming out and talking about where things are going or what they're doing or what they're thinking or how this is getting better. All right. Uh, do we have any more questions, Keely? What's yeah, well, let's get into the. We have a lot more uh, OC questions, so okay. I'm going to kind of combine them. Steve, class of '97, says, "Why is Clay Helton so painfully slow at filling assistant coaching positions? It seems like with every other major and non-major program in the country, they fill coaching vacancies within days to a week. What is with the lack of urgency at USC?" And then Gerald Grossman says, can someone explain to me why Helton has not hired an OC yet? If Helton does not hire one soon, some commits will leave for other schools. Well, we already talked about the two possibilities. One, that they do have a hire who's still coaching and they don't want to, uh, you know, interfere with uh, the move to the Super Bowl by the Rams. The other possibility is it's going to be somebody on the staff elevated and they really don't want to tell that (laughs) I don't want to really, you know, get that out there. So I don't know that we, we don't know that, that somebody's been hired, but I don't think we know that no one has been hired. I don't think we know that, that, that it's, uh, you know, just taking him a long time or whatever. I don't, I don't think we know that. Uh, we can't fill in that blank. Um, we, uh, it's funny. So I think part of it is just planning to, we talked about that. I don't think they were really planning to lose Cliff Kingsbury. No, no, but there wasn't really a lot of backup plans. I don't think there was like this big list to begin with. Kingsbury sort of just fell into their lap. So it wasn't like you could go to option two. There wasn't an option two. There was just Kingsbury was there. And our buddy, Chris Cartman, who covers the Sun Devils for Sun Devil Source, he tweeted out. Uh, so Herm Edwards and Danny Gonzalez weighed in on the addition of uh, Jamal Kane as their new defensive line coach. And Chris tweeted a, a follow-up to that. Sun Devils moved very quickly to replace Nua a development that hinted at good work developing a list of potential candidates ahead of time. Herm Edwards suggests uh, here that's exactly what his USC staff did. It's a good sign of being prepared. And so that was like a quick You mean turn. ASU staff? It did, yeah. Did, what you did said I said USC. I'm sorry, ASU staff. Sorry. Uh, yeah. And I think for in this case, this was like Kingsbury just kind of fell right into your lap. And then there wasn't really much else to do. And, and there wasn't any sort of backup plan, even though there was buzz about NFL teams still being interested. I think USC should have done a little bit more of that. I, I don't think there was a lot of it, to be honest. Well, I think the other thing, with Cliff Kingsbury, you didn't have to go into what's our playbook going to look like. How much are we going to, you know, no. Uh, and we keeping anything over? No, no. Now, if you're, you don't get, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, now what do you do? Do you still go with the air raid and try to find somebody who can do what he can do? Or do you, you know, get somebody that, you know, is a pretty good offensive coordinator, but he's not going to go that route. Uh, I just think there are a lot of issues that, that kind of have to be decided uh, because offensive coordinators aren't interchangeable. You know, I mean, you know, are you going to, you know, still run the, you know, what you would call a pro style, you know, gumbo attack or, or, or what are you going to, you know, what are you going to try to do? And uh, so, and then with Kingsbury, you didn't have to d- decide any of that. It was all decided. You were going to do whatever he he does. Um, but now, you know, there's there's nobody exactly like Kingsbury. I don't think out there. And so now you're 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 left with a whole lot of choices that you have to make. Uh, maybe before you even 
you know, go down the road as to who's going to, who's going to come in to do that for you. Uh, so, so I, I, I don't think we know what the holdup might be, but there are a lot of reasons that could be holdups. So we have a question from Anonymous. They didn't really put their name, but he says, first, I want to say uh, Gary P. will be missed. RIP and fight on from heaven. Uh, he says, question is for Dan. Who would you hire as offensive coordinator if you were Clay Helton? My idea would be Graham Harrell. Yeah, I think if you were going to say, let's try to um, capture everything we thought we had with uh, Cliff Kingsbury, you would probably go that route, I, I would think. Uh, I might talk to you know a couple of the you know, original innovator types that we've already mentioned here and just to get their, their take on things. Uh, but, but I think that would be, you know, the safest way to go. And I just, you know, I've been saying it all last year that this is a team that's set up to run the air raid with between the quarterback and the wide receiver depth and the abilities uh, physically and, you know, the way they've been coached of the offensive line and, and, and the kind of running backs they've got. I think that that sets up the best, you know, for this team. It's not what USC has done traditionally. It's not what Clay said he was going to do and has always said he's going to do. But I think I think that would be uh, that'd be the way I'd probably go if I, you know, if I had to without, you know, talking to all the guys. I think that's that would be the safest way to go and just keep going down that same path that you were going to go down with Cliff Kingsbury. That that would be my call. Yeah, I like that one too. And uh, and you know, I, we talked about this before. I talked to Norm Chow a couple of weeks ago at a luncheon that, that I was speaking at, and you know, he was definitely willing to come in as a consultant. Um, and you know, again, be be a voice in the room, be a part of that process to you know figure out who the next one should be. So there's some options there for USC. Yeah, I like that idea. I mean, and everybody you know gets mad at uh, Alabama because they've got. You know, they've got so many consultants, you know, I don't know that they can, you know, get them all on one bus, you know, and analysts and all that. But he's getting guys to come to, you know, Tuscaloosa and help them to pay for it. But yes, he's in a place where there are a lot of people available uh, to just, you know, come and talk to us and or be part of it, you know. And, and, you know, you're not talking a lot of money when you're hiring, you know, retired guys to, um, you know, to, to offer you another look. And uh, I would think I'd like to see USC go more in that direction and get a number of voices in the room and not feel so, you know, threatened by, uh, you know, people thinking, you know, outside the box thoughts. I think that'd be a good thing for USC at this point. Don wants to know, are any college coaches or staff permitted to be at the Polynesian bowl is Clay Helton or any other coaches were they uh, and recruiters were they there? No, they, they you can't be there for that kind of stuff. Um, but they uh, Clay Helton, uh, Clay Helton was there, but a few of the assistant coaches were there to vi- for in home visits of some of the a couple of the Hawaiian prospects. That so they were there, so they were in Hawaii, but they can't attend like the practices or things like that. All that stuff is uh, is outlawed. So they used to be for the they changed the dead period stuff, but it used to be for the Army All American Bowl in San Antonio. After the game, it was open, and then like the lobby of the hotel was a, it was a, it's a crap show. It was crazy with all these coaches, and Sark, if you remember when he was at Washington, pulled a bus up next to the hotel that was like all decorated, so it was sort of like a a little official visit or not, like a like a, like a visitor center for you know come to Washington, and I think Tosh Lapoy was part of that. I believe he was part of that staff. Um, 
Kenny Palomalo hey, might have. Uh, yeah, what they they have a, an open bar in the back. Uh. <laughs> Maybe, um, but it was uh, yeah. So it was crazy, uh, and, and like the coaches would be there, and um, so but they that's that's outlawed now. But no, the coaches couldn't go uh, to the the bowl or the practice or anything like that. That would be uh, I don't know whatever the rules are, but that would that would not be allowed. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Nansen and uh, Tim Drevno. Uh, with v- Vamahi, yeah, Anuk, uh, Anuk v- Vamahi, yeah. and then there was another uh, defensive back. Was Coach K there was Coach K. Yeah, there? I believe Coach K was there as yeah. well. Yeah. So I think those three coaches. We heard that Helton might be there, but it wasn't. It was just like the three assistant coaches. Yep. Uh, and as related to the, the Polynesian Bowl, uh, Stephen Poway says, I know it's not a position of need, but after Saturday's Polynesian Bowl performance, isn't Puka Nakua more important than ever to lock in on signing day? The post which you made available on USCFootball.com, thank you, he says, shows him jumping for joy on the sidelines after his now famous catch was ruled inbounds, and it looks like he jumped so high that his waist goes higher than his shoulders of people standing on the sidelines. That kid has got hands and hops. Lock him in. Trojan... Trojans, as always, fight on Stephen Poway. No, I don't. I don't disagree. The unfortunate thing is, uh, you get kids like that at the position of absolute least need, um, and they they just keep lining up, uh, you know, for USC, which is one reason you'd want to run a lot of plays uh, on offense because you've got a lot of guys that uh, that you want to get on the field. Uh, you know, if everybody if everybody comes through, but um, but, uh, you know, the downside is you'd like to see some offensive and defensive linemen like that, that, that are real athletic and that, yes, he's, uh, zeroing in on, uh, you can almost have, which as another reason though, you might you need to go to the air raid. I think it just, you know, a lot of guys, they got to get on the field and as soon as possible, uh, at wide receiver. I mean, just, you know, they, you just have to do it. Yeah, he was he's great. I did a one-on-one uh interview with him on camera. I did my little Keeley roll uh with him. He's and I'm six three. He was almost as tall as me. And I remember seeing him at the um it was one of the USC camps uh he came over for and he was pretty good. Uh but you're just like, ah, he seems a little small and stuff. And sometimes I'd look at him from across the room and he would be kind of small, but then he would stand next to me. I'm like, he's my height, like he's almost my height. He's pretty and and obviously you see some of the catches he was making. He ended up being the uh MVP for the winning team, uh, Makai, uh, I believe it was. And so, no, I think he's a, a priority dude. I still love uh, Kyle Ford. I've seen a lot more in person and I, you know, I think he's awesome, but yeah, Puka Nakua is great. He seemed pretty confident that he's going to USC to me, but I do think the, you know, if the offensive coordinator thing changes, then that could, you know, change his mind too. It also gives USC a, a wide receiver group bigger than any wide receiver group in the country, I think, if you look at, you know, uh, Michael Pittman and, and Tyler Vaughn's and, uh, and Devin Williams and, uh, you know, Brew McCoy and all those, I mean, they, they are an intimidating athletic, you know, group of, of, of guys that you know, can win the, uh, you know, the 50, 50 balls and, 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 and win the, you know, the balls up in the air and all that. I mean, they, they just, uh, I'm not sure anybody would have, you know, as many, big, uh, you know, athletic wide receivers, uh, maybe not quite have, you know, that one super speed burner, but, uh, you know, a lot of guys that ought to be able to catch the ball, uh, against, uh, you know, your typical, uh, you know, corners. We got another voicemail for you. Let me play it. Here you go. 
Hey guys, this question's for Dan. I know I might sound a little bit of, like a homer saying this, but do you think that getting a high, former high school football coach from Texas and Coach Jinx is finally going to bring some toughness and grit to that coaching room? I mean, I'm sorry, I can't think of a, a better way to say this. We just need a guy who's going to come in there and kick some ass. And it doesn't seem like we have anybody on this coaching staff who is willing or able or allowed to do that right now. And I'm just hoping that maybe even a slight shakeup like Coach Jinx coming in will help that situation. Especially when you look at the fact that even the supposed, you know, flag runners for toughness in our conference like Washington and and Stanford, like they don't even hold a candle to the Ohio States and the, you know, the Georgia's, Alabama's, Clemson, Texas's of the world, or LSU's of the world. I don't know. We need something to change with toughness because otherwise, no matter how much we throw the ball or how good our quarterback is, then we'll still get crushed in a semifinal game like OU did. Fight on, Jason Longhorn Country. Yeah, Jason, uh, I'm not so sure, you know, if it's, one coach can do that. I, I was always thinking that, uh, you know, Kenichi Yudezi would, would, would bring that to the staff. And, and I just don't know that we, we saw that. And I don't know if that's on, you know, on any one individual, but, uh, but the word toughness is, you know, the, that's the missing element, I think, in a lot of, a lot of what USC does. And we don't see it. Uh, and it makes it really tough to, you know, play people that uh, aren't as good as you, but, but, you know, even in the Pac-12, when you get out tough by Arizona State, for example, that's not good. You know, it's just not, that's not a good thing. Um, it just, and, and UCLA just totally uh, out tough USC last year, and, and probably Cal did. And that, that just, that's inexcusable, to be honest. Um, and, you know, where that comes from, I don't know if it can come from anywhere other than the top. I mean, I'm just not sure. Maybe if you had Ed Orgeron uh, as, as your, your, you know, second in command, maybe, uh, maybe you get a little of that, but, uh, but it's really hard to do that. Uh, if the head coach doesn't really believe in it and doesn't really preach it and doesn't practice it. And, uh, just doesn't seem to quite understand it. Um, uh, and it's tough, you know, you're already in the Pac-12 where, you know, you're not, you're not seeing a lot of that, you know, toughness and, and Stanford probably isn't what Stanford used to be. And you just, and, and, you know, when you talk about toughness and people talk about, you know, Washington and Peterson, and you saw when USC two years ago showed up with athletes and they were ready to play, uh, there was no question Washington's toughness didn't stand, you know, against USC's talent. But uh, um, toughness doesn't just happen with one guy or, uh, you know, one thing that you do. It happens with, uh, you know, you got to believe in it. You got to coach it. You got to do it in the weight room. You got to do it every part of the program. And and we don't see that. And I think we, we need to see it. I think one of the things with Kingsbury that you were excited about was even without toughness, if they – are good at really good at what they're doing on offense and they score enough points and they they're precise and they you know they're talented and and they get all of that done maybe they can you know he can be Oklahoma or whatever 
and you can score enough points to, to win an awful lot of football games. Uh, maybe not the national championship, but then you think, well, maybe that'll come. Uh, but not with, uh, without it coming from the top, I don't think. Do we have any more voicemails? Right? That's, we... that's the last voicemail. I didn't mean to end with the question, the, one of the depressing questions. Uh, he's Tom from South Bay. He says, this is for Dan. As bad as Cliff's leaving, it may be a good thing for USC fans. It will expedite Clay Helton's departure and maybe Lynn Swan will follow him. With the new schedule and no changes that have been made, Helton will be lucky to win five games. What are your thoughts? Fight on, Tom. I'm just not convinced that uh, that that schedule is 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 that difficult to compete against. I mean, obviously they weren't ready to compete against it this year. I just think the natural maturity of of the talent that USC has ought to put them in a place where uh, you know. I mean, I know Wilner picked Arizona State ahead of USC, but I mean they lose their quarterback, they lose their you know, if they lose Nikhil Harry, if he doesn't show up, you know, they don't have a chance in that game. I just think USC can't help but be better next year, no matter if nothing changes, just because there's guys who are a year older. Um, so I'm not sure about the, you know, can't compete against that schedule. But, uh, and I just think, I think you got to root for USC to do as well as they possibly can every game and, and to get start getting things right and let the whole, um, you know, head coaching thing play out and see where that goes. But I just, I just not, you know, one of the you know people would say, boy, that's good. We're going to, you know, we're going to have another five or less, you know, sub 500 season. I just don't, I don't see that. I don't see how a USC fan can think that way. You got to root for those kids. You got to root for them to be able to do as well as they possibly can. And, and not get into the you know whole thing about how is this going to affect next year's coaches and all that. I, I just can't. I just don't think you should go that route. Yep, I agree. So that's all we got. Wait, 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 all we got. Wait, I didn't. Went in on a bummer. Uh, Tom, Tom's not super. He's not a glass half full kind of guy. And there, but there's definitely USC fans that are like that. Not not just like Tom, but I mean like they're like you know what, Kingsbury would have won a bunch of games. This way, USC is going to be under 500 and you'll definitely get rid of Clay. Like, there's, there, I mean, Dan, there's a lot of fans that are saying that exact same thing. Yeah, I agree. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, just, I, I don't see it. I think if you get like a guy like Graham Harrell, I think that shows you like, okay, they still are serious. Cause when you're looking at this coaching staff as a whole, and there's, I think there was a post in the Peristyle kind of about it today. Kingsbury was the big, 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 big move. It was like everything. And all the other moves after that, like Mike Jinks was was pretty good. I mean, he's a former, uh, you know, head coach in in college for a couple of years. Like, so that's a nice move. But everyone else, like a Joe DeForest, like internal promotions, like that's not the direction. That's not what Brian Kelly did. Uh, not only did he change more, but they were all bigger changes. USC had the biggest change, Kingsbury, but now that's gone. So you really need to replace it with a big change, uh, no matter what you do. Like. I, you know, one of the updates I put in is like, you know, Hey, Todd Haley, uh, who was the, uh, you know, longtime Steeler offensive coordinator, and he's mostly an NFL guy, but you bring in someone like that. He was fired after eight games at, uh, at, at, at the Browns with Hugh Jackson, but that would at least be like, dude, this guy's been a head coach in the NFL. Like that would be something. Um, I think any kind of move like that, whoever it is, at least it would be like, all right, that's, that's significant. Or if it's, 
promote Tim Drevno and Clay Helton still calls the plays, that's just going back into familiar. And I, I really think, Dan, you just have to blow it out and do something something big like that. It's not going to be as big as Kingsbury, but something. Otherwise, because all the other moves USC made were so small, this one was big. You need to replace big with big. Yeah, and the, the problem there is Kingsbury, there isn't another coach like Kingsbury available. I mean, he was the perfect hire for going in the direction they were going to go. And, you know, they could worry about all the other stuff. And, and, I mean, what he's done with his offenses at Texas Tech, with no matter who he had playing for him or what the skill sets were, how many guys got injured or whatever, he put points on the board. And that was going to be, and, and, you know, whatever you thought of the other coaches, you think, well, doesn't matter. He's going to get the job done. There isn't anybody that you can say, walk in the door, he's going to get the job done. But, you know, at this point, you probably got to do all the other things that we haven't seen them do. You know, the Brian Kelly stuff at Notre Dame, we haven't seen that. Now, maybe, you know, you'll have a, a new strength and conditioning guy. Uh, that'll be that'll be a start. Um, uh, you'd like to hear some things about, here's what we're going to do to, uh, excuse the expression, beef up uh, your nutrition. And, uh, you know, start making those. And, and here's where we're going to add to the uh, – uh, the recruiting staff, the recruiting support staff. And those are the kinds of things you'd like to see, you know, report from the athletic director or the head coach in terms of this is what we've been working on. And we know we've got to, you know, start competing uh, more seriously, and we are going to do that. Then, then you get a Graham Harrell, and he fits into that uh, general direction of improvements for the program. Uh, but just by itself, they put themselves in a position, not their fault necessarily, but uh, because of Kingsbury being Kingsbury, they couldn't hire anybody like him to follow. Uh, and so now you'd like to see him say, okay, but we got to do a lot of things right, including the offensive coordinator, but you know, we're not going to be able to replace uh, Kingsbury. And that was always going to be the problem. As much as Kingsbury didn't think he was going to get an NFL head coaching offer, and USC obviously isn't thinking he's going to get a head, an NFL head coaching offer. I mean, he didn't obviously think he was going to get a big-time uh, college head coaching offer at this point in time, and that this USC job would be perfect for him to, for Kingsbury to set up where he went next. And so here he goes, you know, after three or four weeks, you got the Jets and the and the Cardinals coming around and talking about head coaching offers. And at that point, if you're USC, you've got you know you got two choices: either we offer him the head coaching job here, or we wish him well and we don't do anything you know dumb to make it look like we're trying to you know hold him to the uh, offensive coordinator's job at USC. If there's a possibility he's going to get a head coaching job in the NFL, at that point you you really need to start lining up uh, the next the next group of candidates. But at that point, you also have to make a decision. Are we going to stay with the air rate? Are we going to go the same direction offensively or, or not? And I don't, we don't know that that decision's been made at all. We have yeah. no idea where they're going offensively. Uh, hopefully they do. <laughs> hopefully. Hope is not a plan. And, I, I, and that's why <laughs> you hate using the word hope. 
<clears throat> because we've heard it too often from people who can't be in a place where they got to hope. They got to make it happen. Yeah. We're, we're looking on the outside. We're allowed to use that word, but because we don't know what they're thinking. No. Uh, and we're hoping they're thinking right. But, but even for us, we don't like to hear that word hope. No. Again, it's not a good plan and it doesn't always work out. I mean, going through <clears throat> with, uh, at the end of Pete's time, and then with Lane and Sark, I was thinking how many times you ended up in situations where you were hoping that Lane would not do this, or you were hoping that Sark, and it, that never works out. No. It, it's just, if you, you know, if you're thinking, uh-oh, I hope he doesn't do this, he's going to do that. Yeah. And... It's hard. It's hard to imagine like Bill Belichick or Nick Saban like on the whiteboard going like drawing up a play and like hopefully the middle linebacker doesn't go here because then our like no they were, that's never part of like their mentality at all or hopefully this no they they plan for everything they prepare for everything and they have a direction they it's not always right doesn't always work but they know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it and you don't always get that feeling around USC. Well, I mean, it always came through. I thought it was one of the great moments that we actually got invited into McKay, into a classroom to go over a kind of an offensive uh, session with with Lane, who was really trying yeah, on this particular that was good. day. He, that was a good and thing he, they did, yeah. <laughs> and he, he brought out his, uh, you know, laminated Dunny's menu of uh, play options and all of that. And I still remember talked about the first column and they're all color coded and all that. And, and this, is, this is what we're, you know, this is what we really believe in and blah, blah, blah. And then the second column was the stuff that, um, maybe, you know, there may be a time or there may be a place in, in a game or whatever. And I said, well, what's in the third column? And he said, well, those are the plays we never practice and we <laughs> hope we never. And I said, why are they on the on the sheet i mean you don't <laughs> practice them and then you know then then the famous moment when the the game that turned everything around for lane if you remember the uh uh in arizona and uh the famous uh drawing up the play on the in the grass on the sidelines uh to robert woods if you remember that that play that that didn't exactly work i think he ran out of bounds before he caught the ball or something but I, I still remember, you know, with all those plays on that menu, they drew one up on the sidelines <laughs> on the ground. And I'm thinking, no, that's not how you do it. I mean, obviously using Bill Belichick is and, and Brady, that combination is. And I know people say, aren't you tired of watching those guys get to the Super Bowl? I said, no, they, he, Belichick is such a great coach. And Brady, I said, that's like perfection watching those guys do what they do. They don't have the best players, but they are yeah. so much more ready to do what they do. It's beautiful watching those guys do what they do. It's just, that's how you're supposed to do it. Our friend Colin Coward had some good points on his show this week. And I, there's a lot of hate. You know, I went to high school in Massachusetts, but I'm not a big, I'm a Steeler fan, not really a Patriots fan, but I'm fine when they win. It doesn't bother me. But um, you're talking about, 
if it's like the Yankees or the Red Sox, like, yes, they pay more money than everybody and you have better teams or, or basketball. It's like, you have to get the, you know, it's LA or Miami or, you know, Chicago, you're getting the free agents to the big markets or whatever. And it, but for the Patriots, like they don't have the best players. They have, everyone's got the same amount of money. It's, it's much more even play. They just do it better. And I think that's right. Like they are better at their jobs than the other people are. They have their own system. They'll cut great players. It doesn't matter. They don't, you know, get emotionally involved. You know, Keeley, they're not going to be like the Angels and, and sign a guy past his prime because who used to be good and sign him to a 10 year deal or anything. Wow. Shots, sorry. Sorry about shots that. Just fired they would the never pocket. do anything like that. And so, yes, you, you have to admire the way they do things. And, you know, it's great to have a, one of the, the greatest coach ever maybe and the greatest quarterback ever teamed up but they've moved a lot of parts <laughs> around those guys and just make it work year after year after year yeah i mean they've done things that nobody else and he changes from week to week that's what's so good he's able to coach it i mean that they come out you know with a different looking defense every week geared to just stopping you what you do we're going to take our guys and put them in the best places to stop what you do, and you can't know what we're going to do with our guys unless you're, you know, filming our practices. And we're so good at it that we can coach our guys that this won't be like new for them, that they have that ability to do that. And that's almost impossible. I mean, what he, what they do, you almost can't do. It's It's too hard. And they do it, and they make it work. They're certainly not the most talented team. They're not even close, uh, but there they are. It's just truly amazing. Well, we kind of got off on some tangents. Sorry, yeah. sorry for the Vlad. Uh, was it Vladimir Guerrero? Right, he was the one. No, who? No, no. no was well, uh, okay. Hold on. Wait. Who was the guy that signed the ten-year deal? Was it? Well, we had a. Uh, uh, his name is forgetting me right now. It, Texas Rangers. He came over, uh, and then we also had Pujols. Still, yeah, Pujols. Yeah, Pujols. Yeah, but, yeah, but he's a wonderful. He's a wonderful man and a wonderful human being. And he was past his pride when, you know, time when it was prime when they signed him to however many years it was. 10 years? I don't know. <laughs> no, see, no, we have a long history of this. First, it was Josh Hamilton, yeah. then Pujols. Oh, God. I think we, the Angels stopped paying for Josh Hamilton like a year ago. So it just shows you how good they are. The, wow. Yeah. The Vlad, I think Vlad wasn't as bad, but the, the Pujols one was no. like, you were going to no, get like two Vlad, or three awesome years. Vlad is in the Hall of Fame wearing an Angels hat right. rather than But there was like yeah. two. Yeah, Vlad was fine. Yeah, come on. But the, the Pujols one was like yeah. two or three great years, and then you were going to have like seven years of nothing yeah he's still a problem he's still uh, he's like on your six or seven right or so like it's not ryan i don't know sorry (laughs) let's not go at least at least you know you get uh uh you know uh mike trout Trout. like yeah for a little while he's awesome so we really went down and they they got rid of my favorite covering him was uh, tory hunter i thought he was i love tory hunter he was how do you get rid of him he was the best Guy in the clubhouse, he could do everything. I just, oh man, that's just. Was no, he crazy. was he was actually in the Coliseum tunnel uh, a couple of years ago when his son played for uh, Notre Dame, and I was so starstruck. I was like, oh my gosh, it's Tory Hunter. Yeah, he no. was just a lovely. He was one of the best people ever. Uh, you know, for a team, uh, just a good influence and leader and all that. You just can't get rid of those guys. It's just it's an amazing some stuff that right. got to make a lot of calls and they got to be right and. We'll see because we're now we're talking about USC making calls and um, it's not easy. Yeah. 
there's good organizations and then there's not so good organizations. And we know which way leading towards USC lately, but uh, hopefully they can turn things around. We don't want to, we can hope uh, we don't want USC administration and coaches to be hoping because then they don't really have a plan. Um, how right. long do you think the? How, by the way, how long would the Bill Belichick era at USC last? <laughs> See the first meeting. See yeah. the first. <laughs> a hand. I mean, really, it just. Wouldn't you love to see him come in and sit down sometime and say, "Now, tell me what you're doing." <laughs> they go what? Really? <laughs> you want to win, right? <laughs> oh. uh, sorry, we don't. Do, See, we we shouldn't end on a negative one. There were some positive things, and uh, Keely, I'm just blaming you for all this. <laughs> Send your hate tweets to at Keely no, is my name. Stop it. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, great stuff, Keely. You're in studio here. Dan Weber on the line. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you much, very much, for tuning in. Thank you much. Yeah. Thank you much for Parasol Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 